Well, our second scripture reading today comes to us from Psalm 23. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 862. Page 862. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are the comforting words of God. May they bring confidence to all those who belong to the Good Shepherd. Well, we are going to take a break this Sunday and next Sunday from Philippians due to our vacation Bible school. The theme for the children this year is Barnyard Roundup. Jesus gathers us together. And the passage of scripture that will be the focus is this psalm, Psalm 23. So I thought it'd be fitting for the, the whole church to join in with the children as we study this text. Now Psalm 23 is a very familiar passage to many of us. I'm sure many of you have it memorized. It's like John 3.16 of the Old Testament, right? And as I read it out in our NIV translation, some of you may have thought it sounded a bit off, as the King James is commonly quoted. Nevertheless, it is a beloved passage by many. And there are a few reasons for this. First being that Jesus himself refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. And we saw this in our first scripture reading that Elsie read today. But there's more to it than that. In this psalm, we find comfort and guidance of the intimate God that we all long for as we make our way through this troubled world. These words, they offer us real hope and real confidence that this shepherd and host is there for us. For deep down, each one of us knows that we need someone who will lead us. Someone who will keep us safe. Now this psalm was written by David, which makes sense since he grew up shepherding his father's flock. In fact, David had been tending to the sheep the very day when he was anointed king. In many ways, David was a precursor to Christ. 
the good shepherd who leads the flock that his father had given to him. And with David also being a king, we can see that he would have had, he would have had great understanding of verses 5 and 6 as well. For the scene, it shifts from that of a sheep with a shepherd to that of a, a guest with a host. As a king, David would have been familiar in that setting as well. So we see that in this psalm, we have two metaphors, two sections. In verses 1 through 4, we have the, the shepherd. And in verses 5 and 6, the host. And each section has a different emphasis as well. The shepherd tends to focus on the needs of this life, while the host takes more of an eschatological viewpoint, focusing on our eternal destiny. Today we'll dive into verses 1 through 4, and then next Sunday we'll finish off with verses 5 and 6. So let's look at our passage again, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. In this verse, David gives us a summary of what is about to follow. But more than that, he is describing God in a very personal way. One in which he could relate to. The relationship of a sheep to a shepherd. Psalm 23 is David's way of coming up with an intimate portrait of God. Having been a shepherd for so long, he now reverses the roles and comes at it from the sheep's point of view. How would a lamb describe God? Well, God is like my shepherd. But not just, not just any shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. God is David's shepherd. Right from the start, the psalmist, he, he makes this very personal by using the possessive pronoun, my. David has taken possession of his God. Not in a controlling fashion, but rather in a, a joyous and boastful manner. Like a young boy who is proud of his father. That's my dad. The Lord is my shepherd. Ask yourself, can you truly say, the Lord is my shepherd? Is this your confession? In John 10, verse 4, Jesus speaks of the sheep knowing the voice of their master. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and, the, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Do you know your Lord? Do you know Jesus? His voice. When he calls, do you follow him? The Lord 
is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Because David knew his shepherd, he never lacked anything. In the ancient Near East, a shepherd was a common term used for describing kings. It symbolized both authority and care. Just as a shepherd directs and tends to the needs of his sheep, so too a king led and provided for his people. Yet instead of a king, David here says that the Lord is his shepherd. Yahweh. His God leads him. Now, being a shepherd is not a job where you can just punch in and punch out. This role requires a lot of work and constant attention. For sheep are totally dependent on their master for food and for water and for protection. They can't stay in one section of land, or they will not have enough to graze upon. They must roam, which means the shepherd needs to direct their paths towards good pasture. The shepherd had to be present for protection as well. The sheep were prey to many animals such as wolves and bears and lions. And with sheep having a tendency to wander off from the herd, the shepherd must always keep his eyes peeled, looking out for runaways. And at night, if if the flock was away from home, the shepherd would have to gather them together, typically in a cave or sometimes in an enclosed rock-walled area that the shepherd had prepared in advance. Now, these caves and pens, they didn't have gates on them. So the shepherd would have to lie down at the entrance, making sure that no sheep would get out and that no predator would get in. This is why we read, when we read in John, in verses 7 through 9, Jesus identifies himself as the gate. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. When Jesus refers to himself as a gate, he is still using this shepherd's metaphor. He is the one who gathers his sheep together. He gathers them to the safety of the rocks. And entry and exit can only be found through him. He keeps his flock safely inside. Any wild beast that desires to attack must get through him first. Let's look back at our psalm again and see exactly how the Lord meets the needs of his sheep. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. First thing to notice here are the words, makes me lie down. This shows causality. The shepherd is the one who guides. And there are three things that this shepherd directs his sheep to. Food, 
water, and rest. He brings his sheep to lush places where food is abundant. He takes them to green pastures. He makes sure that his flock is well fed. In fact, they are are so well fed that they they are fat, that they lie down to relax. Those under the shepherd's care do not go hungry. And this shepherd leads his flock besides quiet waters. You see, sheep, they cannot drink safely from fast-flowing waters such as rivers. They, They must find quiet pools for refreshment. God makes sure that that those he loves are safe and refreshed. In both aspects of food and water, we see that the shepherd provides rest as well. The sheep lie down in the pasture. They have the tranquility that comes from the still waters. Because they have eaten so well and because they have drunk safely, they can settle down and sleep knowing that all is well. In other words, they are content. <laughs> in, the, in our world today, with modern technology, and, uh, we, we, we have a fast-paced world, do we not? And contentment can be hard to find. People are always striving for the latest and greatest, and they are never satisfied with what God has already given to them. It could be that bigger home that they want, or a new car, or the latest iPhone that makes sounds like that. (laughs) It always seems like the material things of this world are what motivate us the most. Even at its most rudimentary levels, there is this need to find security and peace in our own strength apart from God. Let me ask you, why do you educate your children? So that one day they can go to college? Well, why do you send them off to college? So that they can get into debt? No, so that they can earn a degree. Why earn a degree? So they can land a great paying job. But why do they want a great paying job? To pay off all that college debt, right? (laughs) And to buy a home, and to start accumulating stuff, and to build wealth. Why build wealth? So that one day they might quit that well-paying job. Now I'm not saying that education and a good career is of no value. For with a proper perspective, these things are good. And they do bring glory to God. Yet at the same time, from very early on in life, society has set in motion this pattern of discontentment. Instead of being sheep lying in green pasture, we have become that little lamb that runs off 
thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. Yet by being with his shepherd, David finds contentment. With abundant food and water, the sheep can truly rest. For there is no work to be done on their part. Because God has provided all that is needed. Which leads us to the first part of verse 3. He restores my soul. The physical renewal that comes from rest and food and water brings restoration to the soul as well. You see, body and soul, they are interlinked. The one affects the other. If the body is not properly taken care of, the the soul will be in turmoil. And likewise, if the soul is not looked after, it produces negative effects on the body. The shepherd looks after both. As Christians, God has provided you with the nourishment that you need, not only physically, but spiritually as well. He gives you in abundance through his word, bringing peace to your ears. Those in Christ, they experience true food, manna that is from heaven. And they taste water from the the fountain that is Christ. Drink that becomes a spring welling up to eternal life. This is why in John chapter 6, verse 35, we, we read these words. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But this language of restoring the soul goes deeper, for the the Hebrew has connotations of bringing back to life. It is an image of rescuing a cast sheep. Now, a cast sheep is one that has flipped over on its back because it is too fat and stocky, and maybe it has too much wool to flip back over. And without the shepherd's help, It will linger in one spot and eventually die. David uses this type of language elsewhere in the Psalms when he says things like, Why are you downcast, O my soul? The point is that the the shepherd, he rescues his sheep from imminent death. Is this not exactly what your good shepherd has done for you? Christ went to the cross to die for your sins. He restores your soul. Let's continue on with the rest of verse 3 and verse 4. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This shepherd guides his sheep in paths of righteousness, paths that are straight. 
Shepherds lead their sheep along the shortest paths they can find to travel to their destinations so as to not wear out the flock. Yet as we see from from verse 4, a righteous path does not guarantee safety from worldly dangers. Listen to Jesus' words from Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is that path of righteousness. And if you are to, try to find true peace, true contentment, then Christ must lead you. Those who follow their own paths or the paths of this world, sure, they will find pleasure in this life, but ultimately it will only lead to disaster. Yet Jesus, he leads his sheep in paths that will not go astray. They lead exactly where he means them to. The path he sets forth, it will never fail, no matter what the surrounding terrain may be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Peaceful and, and rich, lush scene that we read about in verses 2 and 3 gives way to a more terrifying, terrifying land, one in which death is the chief descriptor. Is this the path of righteousness that, that the good shepherd takes his flock through? The type of valley in view here is a, a deep and rocky dried up riverbed that maybe long ago was carved out by the rushing waters of spring floods. It is a dark and foreboding way, and the dangers here are numerous. Surely bears and lions have made their dens in the, in the caverns nearby. Poisonous vipers, they, they look to the cool rocks of the shadows to find escape from the heat. And certainly there are bandits, bandits hiding behind every shady corner, waiting to attack and steal from the unfortunate travelers that pass their way. Death, it lurks all around. Shadow and decay are the marks of this new setting. Yet to get to those green pastures and quiet waters, this is the path that the shepherd takes. It is a route purposed by the master. However, this good shepherd does not send his sheep to places that he himself is not willing to travel. It is because of such companionship that David states, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David feels confidence even in the the, the depths of gloom and despair, for he trusts that his shepherd will protect him. 
His master is right there with him, rod and staff in hand. And it brings him comfort. Now the shepherd's rod was a club-like instrument worn in the belt, used for multiple purposes. Its blunt face could deliver a powerful blow to lurking predators. Some even had a forked end, which was useful for pinning down snakes, protecting lambs from venomous bites. The rod was a weapon that brought great confidence to the sheep. Now the shepherd's staff, on the other hand, was useful for guiding and directing the flock. The shepherd would take the the hooked end to, to steer the animal, either by the crook of the neck or by the legs, navigating the beast in the right direction. This maneuver was also useful for bringing the sheep in close to him for inspection. It was a tool of unity and intimacy, keeping shepherd and animal close to one another. In these two instruments, the rod and the staff, we see authority, protection, and guidance. As you go through your days, the righteous path will not always look or feel safe. Often, it is surrounded by overhanging cliffs or shadowy caves. There are dangers all about you. But your shepherd is nearby. Yet this valley of the shadow of death pushes the metaphor further than what we'd like. David is pointing to something that we all know is before us, yet we desperately try not to think about. Death eventually comes to all sheep. The shepherd may be standing right next to you with rod and staff and hand. Yet sickness and old age give way and life dwindles. As a society, we we don't like to speak of death. Instead, we fill our speech with euphemisms such as she's passed away or he's gone on or she went home. And then we change the subject as soon as possible. The death of a loved one brings great sadness and grief. Feelings that we wish to avoid. But more than that, it reminds us of our own mortality. One day, you too will die. And there is nothing that you or I or anyone else can do about that. And all those things of this life, those things that we think we will find contentment in, they will not come with you. They cannot pass death's door. Yet for David, this valley marked by death is is more personal than the green pastures or the quiet waters. Did you notice the switch in pronouns? In verses 1 through 3, the shepherd is referred to in the third person. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores. He guides me. Yet now in verse 4, we see the second person being used. 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David knows something about death that we tend to forget. That God is closest to us in suffering. And there is no evil to fear. If Christ is your good shepherd, if you are trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, knowing that he paid for it in full on the cross, if you are leaning on the fact that he rose from the dead, and you believe that he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, then no evil can truly harm you. With Jesus as your shepherd, you will find green pasture and still waters. For Christ has restored your soul. He has led you on a path of righteousness. Not a righteousness of your own, but a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And when death comes knocking on your door, you will be at peace. For you will know your good shepherd is right there beside you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Let us pray. Father, we look to your son, our good shepherd, only through him can we know true contentment. Only through him can we find rescue from our sins. And only through him will we find true peace in our deaths. For he is right there with us. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Guide us into all truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.